Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Survive and Thrive, a podcast that brings you stories and perspectives on how in changing times, leaders and organizations can not only transform to survive, but also thrive. I'm your host, Jennifer Ayers. In this season, our third season, we want to help our listeners learn how to positively influence the change they want to see in their organization, how to minimize disruption, and how to normalize the concept that change is usual. We plan to do this by exploring the various themes we've covered in our last season to drive meaningful, impactful, and sustainable change. We've invited various professionals to our podcast and have listened to their stories along the way to discover what's worked, what's not worked, and give us all some ideas on effectively leading an organization through change. Today, I'm thrilled to have Matt Noble with me. Matt has a very interesting background and is with Education First right now. And I'm really curious to talk with him because I find this is a field that is very impacted recently by the pandemic and there's an ever constant change that they in those in the education field need to respond to. So Matt, let's talk a little bit about your background and then we'll jump into your experiences. Thanks so much for having me on, Jen. My name is Matt Noble. I am now in around my 20th year of a career focused on for-profit education. The first half of that career was primarily in the startup space. Obviously, lots of exposure to high change and high growth environments there. And then for the last about 10 years, I've been at EF Education First, which is a global education company focusing on language, academic, cultural exchange, and educational travel programs. I've held a variety of leadership roles all within those educational travel program areas where I've headed up three different business units and two shared functions. My role primarily at EF has been to come into situations where there was a lot of change happening or a lot of change desired and leading through that change. I'm currently the president of our EF Explore America division, which works with K-12 educators across the United States to create programs that allow students to travel and learn within North America. Everything from your classic middle school class trip to Washington, D.C., to STEM career exploration in San Francisco and Boston, arts-focused experiences in New York, language and culture in Quebec and Puerto Rico, and, and much more. I started this role this past August as we reorganized emerging from the pandemic. But in January 2020, I had just taken on a new role as the EVP of digital strategy for that educational travel group with a mission to help articulate, architect, and begin executing on a five-year digital transformation. So my orientation was already at that point very much toward the future and toward driving change. But in January of 2020, of course, I had no idea what was in store for me. Matt was positioned for change in January 2020 without realizing just how much change was going to happen over the next two years. It's hard to fathom it now, but let's wind back to January 2020. We enter the Roaring Twenties with a different president, news coverage on the Australian wildfires, and whispers of a virus spreading through China. Then a few months later, the pandemic hits close to home. Wow, that's an interesting time for someone like Matt who's getting ready to embark on a major initiative with his company. It's fascinating in retrospect. 
where we were standing as an organization, or at least this part of our organization prior to the pandemic was, it's probably not over-dramatizing it to say that we were a bit of a tech laggard, but as are many in our, in our spaces of, of travel and education, and we had a really high reliance on human intervention for a lot of what we, a lot of what we did, a lot of the, the services that we provided to our customers. We work in an environment where there is a very long planning cycle. Many of the teachers and schools that we work with plan 18 months in advance of when they travel with their students. And so we're used to a lot of lead time and our operating model was all built around low variability. And in fact, trying to limit the variability in the way that we offered our product in the experiences that students had. So it would be a consistent experience regardless of where you were traveling from, when you were traveling, you know, in order to, to maintain a sort of high degree of fidelity to our, our vision and mission around experiential learning, regardless of, of other variables. And then internally where we were was, you know, we were in a spot where we had, I would say, low confidence in our ability to embrace the digital future and frankly, some mixed commitment to the work that it was going to take and the investment that it would take to get there. All of that is the situation that I came into in this digital strategy role to say, can we get our different business units in this educational travel space on the same page with an aligned vision and mission around digital? Then can we work with the engineering and product management teams to align against that vision and essentially come up with what was the roadmap going to be over the next five years to put us in a position to have the digital operating model of the future? And I think my first big deliverable, I had been doing a bunch of diligence work. I had been working across a number of different teams to identify some of the gaps that we had, some of the short-term opportunities, build out this, this sense of what would the winning operational model look like in 2025. And my first big deliverable where I was going to bring a group of senior leaders together to talk about that vision and try to start iterating on that vision was the middle of March, 2020. So suffice it to say, I still have the PowerPoint presentation, but I never delivered it. In early March, we shut down our office like so many others did. We had thousands of customers who were on the road who we needed to bring back home. Uh, so we got busy doing that. And then we turned our attention to how we were going to deal with this massive disruption of the travel space and of the education world as well, and then how we're going to cope with what was for us and many other similar companies an existential threat. Well, I'd love to see that PowerPoint <laughs> someday. <laughs> it's, still, it's still great. It's still, I mean, I think there's still a lot there. It's interesting because I think, you know, part of the story for me of navigating change through the pandemic is as I look back today, we've actually managed to end up not far from where I'd hoped we'd be in terms of buy-in and alignment on our vision of the future. It just took a, it was a very different path to, uh, to get there. I was just sitting here laughing to myself as I was listening to you because I was thinking, so you're poised, Education First has made this investment, you're in this leadership role to evolve the digital experience, you're poised to take the reins and lay out your five-year plan. And now it's, what are you going to do in the next five days? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Five days would have been nice. It was, you know, it was five minutes. The horizon shifted pretty rapidly for us. And, and just to, to paint the picture, you know, when I say that we were in sort of a low-tech, high human intervention model, we at that point in 2020, if a group for some reason 
could not travel close to their date. And we had to give them a travel voucher that they could apply to a future experience. The way that we did that was our system would actually generate a PDF voucher that would get printed out in our office in in Cambridge. And somebody would have to go down, take it off the printer, sign it, and put it in the mail to get it to uh, travelers. And this was fine because in an environment with long planning cycles and low variability, it almost never happened. We would send out maybe hundreds of these you know, over the course of, of a year. And we were suddenly faced with from hundreds in a year going to the prospect of literally hundreds of thousands over the course of much, much shorter time period. We had never experienced anything like the massive need to communicate with and provide options and clarity for our customers that the the pandemic forced upon us. Oh, my gosh. This is why I was so excited to talk to you, because you're like, this is like juicy content where you were positioned and what was, you know, your remit. And then what happened right around that time It's like, wow, okay. it took us away again from that longer term focus of sort of pie in the sky, digital operating model of the future. But what it did do is it forced us to take the, some of the, what I would say are still the right first steps. I mean, we were in, an, in a situation where digital was the only way that we were going to be able to handle the challenges that we faced at the scale that, that we faced them in 2020. We had no other options. There was no other alternative. There was nothing else that someone could suggest and say, hey, let's try it first. Let's throw people at this problem. We had to embrace technology and we had to embrace technology both for uh, the way that our our staff were working internally and invest immediately uh, and solve problems immediately in that space. And then even more than that, we had to embrace technology in the way that we were communicating with our customers. And that's something that, you know, as I mentioned before, people were not uniformly in favor of. The moment demanded it. And so it allowed us to focus in on a digital customer experience and very rapidly standing up a digital customer experience that would allow our customers to see what was going on with their planned programs, to understand their options, and ideally from a company perspective, to choose to continue planning with us even as their plans were disrupted in the in the short term. And this is this was crucially important for us from a financial perspective and from a sustainability perspective long term. You know, we needed to maintain these connections with our customers. The alternative was essentially shutting down for the the entire pandemic. Matt brought up so many great points, but also challenges that he faced in those initial months. I'm sure we all can remember the scramble for solutions back in March 2020. Matt tells me about some of those challenges he had faced. Like he said, he had to either overcome them or perhaps they would have had to close. The biggest one was it forced digital into the center of both our strategy and our operations more quickly than otherwise uh, would have happened. While I had been of the mind that that needed to happen sooner rather than later, I had imagined that I and my colleagues were going to have some runway to figure out some of the just the basic blocking and tackling that's required to do that effectively. Communication, cadences, roadmaps, you know, we were working already in in an agile environment, but I would say our product management and our engineering teams were working a little bit to the side of the business. And that was problematic for a variety of reasons. But what we had to do is we had to quickly 
bring people from both within the business and within the engineering teams onto one large but still very agile team and get everybody moving in the same direction at once. And we had to do that in a environment where the hits just kept on coming in terms of challenges in our external environment, in terms of staffing. We had to create something that would be robust and fast, even amid all that change. That was a big piece. And we had to do it again, where the level of confidence in our ability to move fast and to create successful digital products was not high. You know, that confidence was not high and the confidence was not universal across all of our teams. And so we sort of took on this massive operational and cultural challenge that I had hoped to be able to spend the next year on, and we had to figure it out in a month. It must have felt overwhelming to face problem after problem, both internally and externally. Most organizations had some kind of difficulty navigating the chaos. As a leader, Matt had to not only support himself, but lead his team through this time of chaos. It was definitely overwhelming. It was overwhelming for everybody involved. I mean, I think for me as a leader, I tried to play three distinct roles. One role was as a dot connector. Frankly, I was probably more hands-on than I would have been otherwise, but just because that's what the situation demanded. So I did a lot of bouncing myself between different contexts. One of the reasons that I had been selected for this role and asked to go into this role is that I I worked in a number of different areas of the company before, both functionally and uh, different business units. And so I was really able to lean on the relationships that I built and lean on my understanding of the different parts of the business to be able to insert myself in different areas of the company that not were not normally networked together. I was doing a lot of understanding how conditions may be different for our international divisions versus our domestic divisions, understanding how conversations were evolving around our priorities and our deadlines you know, within different parts of the company, and either bringing those pieces of information together myself or more often connecting people who often did not work closely together because they had shared needs or because they had dependencies that they might not have been able to identify on their own. So that was one piece. The second pillar for me was communication. We were moving so quickly and there were so many people who had to be kept on the same page, who had to be trained to talk about the things that we were building, that communication became a a huge part of my role. I had to work closely with our product management team to make sure that faster in the cycle time and content was more in depth than anything that we were used to before. So back to sort of my three roles as a leader. So it was dot connector, communicator. And then the third piece was really being an evangelist for the purpose, particularly of the engineering team who were killing themselves. And they were working 20-hour days, six days a week, seven days a week in some cases, you know, during this period to try to rapidly roll out the solutions that we were building here. And so I both took on for myself and tried to bring others into the mission of ensuring that every single person who was bending over backwards to save the company knew that that's precisely what they were doing and they were saving the company. That was a huge part of my role during this time was 
to keep people motivated and keep people tied to purpose. Now, what's interesting about EF is we are a very mission and purpose-driven organization. And so we have that muscle memory of people tapping into a purpose, a mission to keep them motivated, to keep them engaged, to drive them through the difficult times. A lot of what we had to do during the pandemic was just switch from sources of inspiration that people usually draw on, which are the experiences that we're providing for the educators and students that we work with, the perspectives that we're helping them grow, the sort of life-changing programs that they get to participate in, and go from that into something that was a little bit more internally defined, which is a little uncomfortable for us because we are so externally mission-focused. But this rallying cry of this is what it's going to take to save the company. This is what it's going to take to not just give our customers a better experience through this difficult time, but allow our staff to continue to be productive and allow us to retain the capital, frankly, that we needed to survive what is still an ongoing dip for us as an organization. Wow. Those are three really important and critical aspects, I think, for any leader that is trying to help their teams navigate change, being a dot connector, focus on communication, and being an evangelist, especially as it relates to purpose. I appreciate Matt drawing attention to the hard work his engineering team put in at a time of great stress and uncertainty. I think it's also important to note that Matt's role in all of this, supporting an exhausted team, can be very difficult sometimes as a leader. And the best thing you can do is just provide support to your team so they can get through their next hour or the next day or the next week. Something else Matt said that I want to point out, he gave his team the room to explore what the solution could be. Instead of micromanaging every detail, which would add unnecessary pressure during a very difficult time, he empowered them to rise to the occasion. I think that was happening all along the way to some extent because we were really venturing into new new spaces and new work that otherwise we would have planned for much differently. And so I think that played out in a couple of different ways. So one was just as we were going, we had to bake innovation and you know testing, failing fast and learning into our process in a, a much different way than I think we normally would approach that element. And so that, you know, we tried to be conscious of empowering and celebrating that along the way. You know, I mean, in the back of my head, I always had this idea that we're going to come out of this crisis and let's make sure that we that we use it to affect some of this cultural change that we're hoping to, to affect. Uh, and that was a big part of that. And then, yes, as we got to a point where our key solutions were approaching shelf-stable, let's call it, uh, for, for at least the short time, and the, the short term, and we had some space to breathe, we did get very intentional about creating space for the teams that have been working there to pause, reflect on what they learned, to think about what were the pieces that they hadn't been able to get to, but opportunities that they had spotted along the way. Some of that has gotten now built into long-term roadmaps, which is just a great thing. I mean, overall, I think we've we've now got a team that's extremely bought into the roadmaps that we've put in place for the next phase of our digital work. 
because it came directly from their hands-on experience here. And, and so having them, you know, having all of the members of these teams able to contribute to that, I think was was just another point of engagement for the team and definitely helping us just to get to a smarter and better place as we imagine where we have to go for the future. Switching gears for a moment, I wanted to hear about what surprised Matt during this experience. What did he not expect? And who did he not expect to act in certain ways? Partially, I'm just surprised that we survived it. I mean, at the time, it was so intense. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's fair. Um, Truly, truly, there were moments there where, where it seemed that we might not. And where it seemed that the intensity and the focus and the level of engagement that we brought early on in this process would not hold. And so I guess I would say I'm surprised at how well it held somewhat. Although when I think about the people that I work with who are extremely talented, extremely mission-driven, and take on a lot of accountability and responsibility every day, uh, no matter what type of work they're doing, it's, it's not as surprising. As I referenced earlier, I think the biggest surprise for me is as we emerge from the pandemic, we've taken a very different path, but we've ended up in a place that I'm quite pleased with from a change management and digital transformation perspective. And I never would have predicted in those moments in March, April, May of 2020 that that we would end up here. Uh, and you know, if I reflect back on what are some of the elements that helped us get here, that engineering and product management team is more connected to the company and its mission than it ever was before. And so that is an engine that has helped us push forward uh, faster than than we would have otherwise. You know, we built a platform in this new digital experience, even though it's not what we would have started necessarily. Uh, in our digital transformation plans, if we had had all the runway in, in the world and all the time in the world to figure out what to do first, this has provided a platform for remarkable performance by our teams that rebuilt the entire organization's confidence, including that team itself, in what we're capable. And so it's allowing us to to dream bigger and have these conversations. You know, the pandemic has accelerated externally, a lot of the factors that were leading us to believe that we needed to lean into to digital first uh, as an operating model priority or as an operating model principle uh, going forward. And so, you know, where we find ourselves now is we're still managing multiple streams of change. There's ongoing business disruption from the pandemic. Our staff is coming back to the office in a hybrid environment in January. That's a big stream of change that we're managing right now. And then there's this stream of of change that is how the world is forever changed. But we are well positioned, even as those those streams continue to rage around us, to make the kinds of investments that I was hoping at the beginning of 2020, we would be willing to make in our longer term evolution from a digital perspective. That to me is is shocking, you know, and we talked about explicitly at the time that this was going to put us back off of our plans. Um, and we were largely thinking about that from just an investment perspective. But I think culturally and the way that we work with one another, we were able to take, to make such a large leap forward that we're actually right on track for our five-year plan. Wow. That's 
That's pretty amazing, actually. I think we should dust off that PowerPoint and take a look at it together. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I joke about never getting to present that, but there was a model that I had developed with help at the center of that, that we've just started to look at again and said, along with a lot of other work that's been produced during the last two years, you know, we're returning to investment in the future. We're growing our digital teams. We are thinking differently about how we're managing priorities and how we're planning for the future and how we're making decisions uh, and how we're building strategy in our businesses um, in a way that's, again, very much where I'd hoped we'd be by this point. And that's, that's probably the most amazing thing of all to me. Over the past two years, many of us have had to learn new skills or simply figure out a new way of life in order to survive. Many of us discovered hidden talents or revived old ones during the pandemic, like woodworking or playing an instrument or learning how to bake. I believe that our personal growth during this time extends to our professional lives as well. Out of everything Matt accomplished, I wondered what he was most proud of. What I'm proud of is I've got a wide network. I've got friends who work in lots of different types of of companies and industries, and everybody has had a distinct and different experience of the pandemic. And in a lot of industries, I have been jealous looking outwardly at the ability to use the pandemic as a catalyst for change that you wanted to affect anyway. In some cases, it seems that companies and, and industries haven't missed a step, you know, in many cases. But, you know, here we are sitting at the intersection of two of the industries that were most profoundly disrupted and impacted by the pandemic, education and travel. And I think it would have been easy for us to say, let's only survive. It would have been easy for us to say, the focus is five minutes into the future instead of five years, and we just need to keep it there. But I think that the organization's willingness to continue looking to the future to continue looking you know, beyond this, this crisis, and then the way in which we, in some cases serendipitously, and in some cases intentionally, tried to leverage the work that we had to do through, um, you know, through this pandemic to help advance that cause and help us stay focused on the future. I mean, that's, that's what I'm most proud of. There's a narrative here, which was, we survived and we did some good work, and now we're back at ground zero trying to figure out what to do next. And so the ability, I'm now realizing that what I'm describing is surviving and thriving. Well, thank you very much. That's great. That's the theme of this (laughs) podcast. (laughs) You're a great guest. But that's really it. I don't think it was a foregone conclusion that we would have done both. and, uh, And I really believe we have. Before we wrap up, I asked Matt, what are three things that leaders can do to help their organizations not only survive, but thrive and change? Wow, just three, huh? You can say uh, more if you want to. I just will edit no, it out I, if it's I mean, too long. <laughs> three things that a that a leader can do. I mean, I think this is so true. It's hard not to have all of our experience colored by the pandemic at this point. But a lot of what I've been reflecting on recently is sort of what are my own first principles as a leader? And how do I make sure that I'm standing by those and I'm sticking to those and those are coming through in the way that I lead now as we emerge from the pandemic. And so that, you know, as a leader and as a leader who really enjoys change, I'm not reacting 
to just this last two years in the way that I think about change and position my team for change. And those things haven't really changed. I think for me, the three things that a leader can do is really maintain focus on a longer term North Star. You know, there's a purpose piece of that, but I think the strategic objective is is really, really important that everybody in the organization is bought into and understands where you're headed. Because when you do that really well, it actually creates a lot of space for people to figure out the best path to to get there. I think that's a that's a key to surviving and thriving. I think creating an environment which everybody says, but is so, so hard to actually do, where people are comfortable with failure and comfortable asking for help is a hugely important piece of this. It's so easy to say, but it's much, much harder as a leader to build the structure and process and culture. And it's all of those things that truly enable people to do that and to model that yourself to you know be able to be authentic about what are you trying? What what half baked idea are are you chasing down? And how will you share it with the rest of your organization when it doesn't work out? And ensure that you learn from it. That's another piece. And then the other answer, which is a little bit cliched, but it truly is the most important thing, is building out your team as a leader. I think through periods of change, it becomes m- more important than even in normal times to have a set of people around you who challenge you, who compliment you as a leader. And by compliment, I don't mean flatter. And who are empowered to bring their own unique strengths to the organization. Because as we went through the different, you know, and this, this I will reflect on the pandemic, as we went through the different phases of our pandemic response, one of the things that stood out to me along the way was how at different points and in response to different challenges, we were tapping into different groups of people and different individuals who had vastly diverse experience, perspectives, and strengths. And I think in a dynamic environment, that diversity of perspectives and strengths is just critical. That's great. Awesome. Before we hop off, I just want to speak to Matt's point about diversity. This past year, the idea of diversity got a lot of buzz and inclusion, I should say, and for good reason. I just want to say that while it may be easy to get wrapped up in that buzz, it's important to stay focused on the point of inclusion and diversity, a point that Matt just made, which is that we all benefit when we choose diversity, and the research backs this. In this time of crisis, You need people with different perspectives and you need to include them and hear their experiences to better understand the challenges at hand. In times of growth, it only lifts everybody up more. The employees, the leaders, and the companies. If you want to hear more about this topic, check out Season 1, Episode 15 on Diversity and Inclusion. If folks are curious to learn more, learn more about your company, or uh, just want to pick your brain or get to know you, how can they get a hold of you, Matt? Well, you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Um, that's a good way to, to connect with me there. And then to learn more about EF, uh, you can check us out at EF.com. And then EFExploreAmerica.com is the division that I'm currently in. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything that we might not have covered in our discussion that comes to your mind that you want to make sure that we have our listeners think about or reflect on before closing? 
you know, I think we covered a lot. The only thing that I would say, uh, reflecting on our, our conversation today, which was fun to talk about, is it strikes me again as I speak about and reflect on the experience of the last couple of years that we're not at the end of a story here. You know, it's still very much the the beginning of a larger change narrative. We've been through a lot of change, but it's sort of given us a platform for the future. So, you know, I hope we have a chance in two years down the road to come back and let you know how it's going. Mm, I love that. Well, I love the subject of change-capable organizations. So anytime you want to talk about that, give me a ring. Anyway, Matt, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. And I thank you so much for taking the time. I know that it's crazy busy. And I'm just grateful that you were able to join us today. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I enjoyed it. Thank you, everyone, for listening and joining this week's episode of our Survive and Thrive podcast. Remember, at Consinity, we empower the conscious leader to realize positive and sustainable change. Until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Take care.